Welcome to the Campaign Podcast, powered by something else. I'm Claire Beale from Campaign, and with me today I have two brilliant creatives. I've got Richard Brim, Chief Creative Officer at Adam and Eve DDB, and Danny Brooke-Taylor, founder of Lucky Generals. And we're here to talk about creating ads and commercial messaging for a big cultural moment, like the Super Bowl, which Danny has just done, and Rick... I think everybody in our industry knows is like Mr. Christmas um, for his uh, his brilliance at creating the the Christmas ads that we all talk about. And of course, they both do lots and lots of other wonderful work throughout the rest of the year. But the the intricacies and the challenges of creating these incredibly high profile pieces of work are what we're here to talk about today. So hello. Hello. Hi, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I want to sort of kick off just I will explain well, I think everyone knows Rick is famous for, for the the John Lewis and, and the other brilliant Christmas ads he's done over the last few years. But And I guess everyone probably knows why you're here, Danny, but just in case they don't, um, Danny has just done a Super Bowl commercial, which I think is probably the first time that a UK agency has created an ad that runs in the Super Bowl. So that's an amazing achievement. It was for the Amazon Alexa. I'm sure you've everyone's seen it, of course, haven't they? We will uh, play a little bit of the soundtrack from the commercial just to remind you. So here we go. In Austin, it's 60 degrees with a... Ch- <laughs> Alexa? Amazon's Alexa lost her voice this morning, causing a... Alexa lost her voice. How is that even possible? We have the replacements ready. Just say the word. And you're sure this is going to work? Yeah. Alexa, show me a recipe for a grilled cheese sandwich. Pathetic. You're 32 years of age, and you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Its name is the recipe, you Alexa, how far is Mars? Oh, how far is Mars? Well, how am I supposed to know? I've never been there. This guy want to go to Mars. <laughs> for what? There's not even oxygen there. Alexa, set the mood. Now setting the mood. As you can probably tell from that little clip, the ad's about Alexa, Amazon's Alexa, and Alexa has lost her voice. And it's a beautiful 90-second ad with uh, Jeff Bezos in it and an array of other celebrities from Gordon Ramsay to Rebel Wilson and Anthony Hopkins. So I want to kick off with you, Danny. And Does that feel like a pinnacle of achievement in your career? Yeah, it's all over from now on. That's <laughs> it. So um, thanks for everything. Really enjoy working with you, Claire, over the years. Um, it was a real biggie, and I think if we sort of... We learnt loads of things doing whilst we were doing it. Being British, doing such a big cultural American thing was odd. Everyone was sort of saying, how the hell does this happen? This is amazing. Um, but actually that gave us some distance, so we didn't feel... I genuinely didn't feel really anxious about it because it's a boring sport, for starters. I hate American football. Um and I think I think we sort you have to approach the big things in exactly the same way as you'd approach the small things because you're desperately trying to get the best work out. You're you've got to have a really sort of good, uh, strong understanding relationship with your client. You have to understand the audience. That's the same for the Super Bowl as it is for uh, a much smaller project with a smaller client, smaller budget, all of that kind of thing. You just have to get all those things in place. Hope those planets align and. Just get try and get the best thing out, and we were we were 
we were lucky because it, it, it was a great, it was a great success and we learned tons from it. I want to talk to you both about the the sort of the process that you go through when you get one of these briefs land on your desk. But I sort of want to almost start at the end because I imagine the moment these things go out, it's like you are, I don't know, on the edge of your chair. All the cliches about you know chewing your fingernails. But I don't actually think that was the case for you, Tony. Well, for starters, it was four in the morning in Minnesota when the Super Bowl was on, and so the, I was asleep in London. And, I mean, I'm, I must confess, I'm, I'm really rubbish at finding the moments when you should celebrate, because I'm always anxious about the next thing. If you, know, if, you, if you win a pitch, then you're anxious about the work. And when you're making the work, you think, God, I hope the edit is right, and I hope the music's right. So, yeah, I'm not very good at stopping and saying, oh, that's great. Um... And so on, on this particular moment, part, even if I'd been awake, I would have just been sort of worried that it landed. So it was really nice to just wake up and see that that had all happened and it was all OK. I, I'm, I just, I'm sorry, I cannot imagine uh, you go, like, getting into bed and being able to go to sleep. How can you? I, I, I That's just... You, mu- you must have been up at four watching... Uh, Mate, I wasn't. And you know what it's like. You've seen the ad that you're making a million times. Yeah. You've seen it so many times... And I knew every single pixel off by heart, so I didn't need to see it live. We felt really confident about it because we'd got really good people on it and it felt nice, and so I was very happy going to bed. Can I ask a question? Because on the Super Bowl, was was that released actually in the game or was it released beforehand? Well, yeah, that's that, you see, that's weird because I always thought it was you know the ta-da yeah, during yeah. the game but that's changed now and, yeah. I, and i guess i guess this is relatively recent because social media the brands have figured out that you get more traction if you release yeah. it and then you get sort of people saying this is great and being evangelical about their own products or the the, the celebrity who's in these various uh spots so it's, it sort of starts about a week before, I think, now, yeah. which is completely new to me. I didn't understand that. With a teaser or most of the ones that I saw early were little snippety yeah, no, just good to point. get your we, juices we, flowing. We did a teaser, which is pretty conventionally sort of understood by brands on Super Bowl. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. The American creative director within Amazon, Michael, said to me, you have to understand that this is a moment when the whole of America stopped what they're doing to sit down. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know the scale of this. Uh, sit down and turn this on, and they sit on their sofas eating Doritos or whatever, and they watch, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's an important game. Now, they watch the commercials, and then in between the commercials there's some boring sport that happens that a few of them understand. And under, that was a real shift for me. I didn't really realise that the brands are there to entertain and they have a fundamental role to entertain and therefore let's not beat people over the heads with product detail let's make them laugh or whatever that or whatever buttons we're wishing to press so to me that makes it even more surprising that you could sleep because you would you not want <laughs> to know the commercial context in which you're particular i i know you you obviously knew every pixel of the commercial yeah. but like you don't know until that moment really that that you're in a break with better ads yeah or similar ads or you know how can you not really want to be there in the moment to just see the context basically because we were proud of the work our relationship with our client was so strong that we all sort of left feeling positive and confident but Rick, okay rick so you've been through this meant for quite a few years now does it get any easier that moment of releasing no, your baby to the absolutely world absolutely not absolutely not and i, I think 
It's funny, I had a similar situation when Man on the Moon came out. I was in America and it was eight o'clock in the morning and I'd spoke to people just as it came out and it was like whatever time it was there. And um, I went to bed and then I woke up and they'd had the whole day and the people on TV crying and all these things were in my inbox. And it was really, I felt really, really sort of far away from it. And I was physically far away from it, but I just, I, it was it was really strange thing to watch it as opposed to being in it. And that with this, just this sort of barrage of, this one was crying, this one says it's this, this one says it's that, blah, 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 blah. For about an hour, I sat there at my breakfast sort of overlooking Santa Monica, just like, this is the weirdest experience because it was so intense. Um, you realise the scale of these things and that first morning always, always, always baffles me because you know the scale, but you forget when you're in the when you're in the when you're in the thick of it, it's just like oh, we just got to get it out, and we got to get it out as best we can. And, and then and, and and is that proportionate to the scale of the the work, or is that something you, you feel every time? Every time, yeah. Every time, and every time, um, where 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 is the world at that moment? Yeah. How they're going to react? Every year, this is the year it's all going to go. Yeah. And every year, it's like okay, no, it wasn't. And 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 it's very funny. Like Buster came out and. It was three days after Trump, and the world was sad, and we sort of knew that Brexit was coming and all these things. So that maybe a man on the moon was sad, and maybe we just changed the emotion a little bit. We didn't time it, but it just hit a a nerve. Yeah. And then the spoof came out with um, Hillary and Trump, and it just yeah. went off the charts. But it, but it was at that moment in time you realised that we'd done something okay and that people were reacting to Christmas it. never used to be like this. It's become a, a sort of real, what well, everyone says it's our Super Bowl equivalent. Yeah. And obviously social media and the the immediacy of the consumer reaction is, is heightened yeah. in a way that it wasn't even five years ago. How much is your mood swayed by literally what, you just sit there watching the Twitter feeds and listening to to what the consumer because after all we can chat about it and you kind of know what the industry reaction is going to be pretty quickly but we don't matter in the end i did this year in the middle of the night i say i did it like an hour here or an hour there nothing sort of like religiously and it gets a bit boring it's kind of addictive once you start though no i know it? but the funny thing is when when it goes on tv because we launched a couple of days before online and then we'll go on in between x factor or we had all the uh, on TweetDeck all the different hashtags, and you couldn't read them. It was just like coming through so quick. Yeah, and we're both looking at each other. And that was the first one we'd done, and we were both looking at each other, going, "What the fuck is going on?" It's like it's crazy. Who who comments on ads? Yeah, I mean, who, who who's sat there going, well, "I'll tell you what," I'm like, who does that? But people do, and people have an opinion on it, and crazy. So, what, so why does this virtuous circle start? Is it consumer interest? What makes clients confident and to, to sort of put the welly behind it or are the consumers interested because everyone raises their game at Christmas and in which case if it's the latter why don't we do it why don't we manage to make that sort of yeah splash more often why is it confined to these moments yeah I'm conflicted on that because I, I agree I think the reason the work is so good is that the goal and the objective is set let's make this really powerfully a piece of culture I guess that's your aim isn't it right yeah. you, you, you've got to get people talking about this beyond just being conventional advertising selling something so the work has to be great because that's what everyone's set out to do and that's brilliant we should encourage that because it's very exciting when that happens and it's good for our industry and it makes us all excited as creatives again 
And then you're right. Why are we just nice to each other at Christmas? Why do we not talk to each other in our, on our streets during the year and we're just lazy? And that's what's happening with these brands and their audience. They're just sort of settling back into the default where you buy our stuff and we do some irritating things and it kind of works. But hey, we'll all be nice and hang out again when it's Super Bowl in the States or Christmas in the UK. And that doesn't feel right, does it? It's, it doesn't. Um, yeah. But I do think the difference between Super Bowl and, and Christmas here is Christmas here, people like Christmas and the adverts are normally heralding Christmas far too early for my liking, but they do. So a lot of the comments we get in August is like, it's nearly Christmas, the John Lewis advert will be here. And people just like going into Christmas. And I think the adverts have always heralded it. Where the difference is in the Super Bowl is the spots are so notoriously expensive and famously expensive that that pushes brands to not waste that 30 seconds. If you're spending 5 million quid on a spot, then you have to make sure that spot is great. So clients have to trust us a bit more to give them fame and and that's where celebrities come in and that's why people throw everything at it because I think it's understood that the primary role is the audience wish to and expect to be entertained. Yes. Don't they they the rest of the year? Exactly. Of course they do. And for us to not put that at the top of the criteria of the role of the advert there's a bit nuts. I mean when I started out on campaign which was a long time ago I remember the sort of common refrain that people used to trot out was well the ads they're better than TV programmes yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know whether that was true or not there was a general confidence in the industry that we were producing stuff that was as entertaining and stood alongside popular cultural mm. um, yeah. media that doesn't feel the way anymore Un- uh, apart from on occasion when we all get very excited about a brilliant piece of work but but mostly it just seems yeah. to be the irritant yeah. or the you know people skipping over the commercials because they're not engaged with them. Yeah. Why do we go wrong then the rest of the year? I think there's a lot of other options to do a lot of other stuff and I think nobody knows what the holy grail is and I think people's importance has spread wide as opposed to focus. And I'm not saying that doing a big film is the answer. When you focus in on something and not try and be everything to everyone, yeah. that's when the good work comes so out. So you've got a load of boxes, you've got yeah. to check them all, yeah. and therefore maybe you're just the creative firepower is spread yeah. too thinly, I mean, maybe. I think brands throughout the year will have, advertisers will have different motivations for doing whatever piece of work they've got to do. It's a new flavour of toothpaste, or it's back to school. or So there's different things that they're trying to leverage against, whereas specifically Christmas, it is now understood to be, from great commercial value, is to entertain. So... I think that becomes the purpose hmm. beyond anything that perhaps more rational during the year. Sure, but, but Christmas is a vital sales period for all of the brands that we're talking about. So these ads, they're not there as a sort of... Decoration. Um, no, they're, they're, they're there to sell. <laughs> They've got to work yeah. damn hard. That's and what they, they do. And they do. So, mm. like, you know, the formula works. Anyway, I want to take you both right back to the beginning when one of these briefs come in. Just talk me through the process. Does everyone in your creative department's clamour to want to work on these briefs how do you manage your talent is that a difficult thing to navigate when i brief the teams it's very much like it can come from anywhere it can come from any team and it doesn't necessarily have to be a fully fledged script because the way we work is i really like something like that i love something like that and then this, wouldn't it be great if we did this and, and everybody's very involved so you try and bring them on but people do get very upset about it everybody thinks they've got the one mm. And when it's not the one, and you know it's not the one, it's quite hard to accept when you're told it's not. But the whole department, when we're going through it at the moment, the whole department gets it, and then just one thing will stand out. 
with Buster, it was a script about rabbits on a trampoline. And then it was like, no, no, but if it wasn't rabbits, it was this, it was that. And, and it just develops. You just notice something that could be interesting. And as an agency, it really isn't like an agency. We, we work on it and sort of craft it. But I explain in the briefing that this is not a normal process. And don't take it personally. But the um, the stakes, obviously, for the marketer whose budget you're dealing with are extremely high. Now, you tell us what that Super Bowl spot cost. Hey, I can't tell you that, Claire. You know, I, can't. I, I know a lot of money. I, I, I know that. Yeah, I know that the Super Bowl is expensive, and I know that celebrities aren't free. So, I think they see. Is there a value in this? How can we make this more entertaining? How can we make this? They have a very sort of rigid metric in the US on Super Bowl. It's crazy. There's about five different measures as to which wins the Super Bowl. And that matters, you know, because that then becomes editorial. And that investment in that spot can start paying for itself, uh, regardless of the brand. But nevertheless, the client's beads of sweat are probably more pronounced on one of these big Mm. types of campaigns than on the stuff that they're probably doing the rest of the year. Because the stakes are higher, because the spot times are more expensive. So how do you deal with a client when they're that all over it, which they must be? I'm guessing the answer is around long-term trusted relationships. It goes back to that. The other 51 weeks of the year, I think, you have to have a very close relationship with that client so that when either you or they are on a panicky day or thinking Christ what are we doing the other one has to sort of help you know you really can't do this independent of each other this has to be really sort of joined at the hip genuinely have to be there helping each other on the ups and the downs that's the only way to do it yeah the two examples that the, the biggest things that we've done for Christmas I mean John Lewis's but there is no line between us Craig and his team yeah I believe and that. Manning and we talk like we're one thing yeah and if we go, if we succeed, we succeed together, and if we fail, we fail together, exactly. and, and we argue, and no topic is out of bounds, and it's, yeah. it's very, very collaborative. So the beads of sweat aren't their beads of sweat; it's a collective bead of yeah, sweat. True. And I've, I've never sold a script to Amazon because we are deciding whether we like. Honestly, I, you know, these are creative people as well, so that we're all. Honestly, this I hope this isn't, doesn't sound wanky, but you have to do this, uh, as Rick said, you have to do this together because when that's out and that Twitter stream's going nuts, then it's all of you. It isn't, oh, I think the client's messed this up or the agency's done a crappy <laughs> job or whatever. It's, they just talk about John Lewis or Amazon or whichever brand it is. I just want to talk a little bit about the directors that you've worked with on these because I know that for the Alexa ad, you work with... Wayne McClammy through Hungry Man and obviously Dougal Wilson's done a lot of the John Lewis Christmas stuff with you and Michelle Gondry did the latest one. Is the relationship when you're working on one of these big, more blockbustery type commercials, how does that dynamic work? I don't particularly choose someone because of the scale of something because I think if someone is just good at big things then they're probably like a boring stadium filling band. You know, They're not going to get to the detail of the emotion of something. So I look for someone who's got a when you get the treatments in, there's there's a passion and so you can really smell it and feel it. It's it's fizzy. And the the one I got on Amazon for Super Bowl was from Wayne McClammy at Hungry Man. And he'd worked on Saturday Night Live. He was Jimmy Kimmel's right-hand man, writer, director of stuff. So he got the stuff we couldn't possibly do being Brits. He got the detail of the American timing he got how to get performance out of people as a director but particularly with that the nuance of saturday night live uh, that was very valuable so that was critical for us 
Thank you, Richard Brim, Chief Creative Officer at Adam and Eve DDB, and Danny Brooke-Taylor, founder of Lucky Generals. Thank you both so very much for being wonderfully interesting and entertaining. You've been listening to The Campaign Podcast, powered by something else. Thank you so much to my wonderful producer, Laura Hyde. Join us again next month for the next edition of The Campaign Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.